All right. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Good to see you out on a Tuesday night and a little Bible study night tonight. Has everybody got a booklet? If you got one, that'll help you. If you don't, it'll be okay too. Not overly complicated tonight, but uh, just some some uh, things I want to study tonight that'll help us and just uh, maybe be an encouragement as well tonight. So. Anyway, glad you're all here. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter number 3. We'll get right to it. I'll pray for the, the teaching and the preaching. But with live stream, we need to go. We need to get to that first. And uh, uh, well, we don't have the long, awkward pause of us doing prayer time and, and no one understanding what's happening while they're watching online. But uh, Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll be tonight. And uh, uh, just... Uh, uh, a couple verses I love to go read over and over. There's so much help in these verses. There's so much encouragement in these verses as well, and uh, and uh, reminding us who we are in Christ and our position and and uh, how we're to practice and live in our daily lives. And I I pray to be a help to you tonight and a, and a blessing to you. So, Colossians chapter three. Let's ask the Lord to bless our teaching tonight, Father. We just thank you for. Uh, Midweek Bible study, thank you for the opportunity to open the Word of God and just dig in and, and find truths in it that will help us live our, our daily lives. And, and I pray that you just bless tonight, Lord, and uh, folks would be challenged and encouraged all at the same time from the Word of God. And just, again, thank you for everyone who came out tonight. Bless those who wanted to come but maybe couldn't for some reason. And, and just uh, bless our time together. May Jesus be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll be. Colossians chapter 3, the text, or what I'm calling the message tonight, comes strictly right from the text and in verse 4, and we'll, uh, or sorry, verse 3, whichever verse it is, verse 4, that's where it comes from, and we'll see that here in just a moment. But to give you some background where we are, in the book of Colossians, and Paul's writing here, and really just to give you kind of a quick 5,000-foot overview, the first two chapters he's writing very doctrinal things, and uh, and he's telling us of about the all-sufficiency of God. How many of you glad God is all-sufficient tonight? And I'm thankful for that, too. And uh, he tells us about the, the Lord Jesus Christ and, and how Jesus is the creator of all things. And uh, and uh, he, he hits on those truths in chapter 1 and, and chapter 2. And then you get to chapter 3 and moving forward, and, and but we're going to focus on a couple verses in chapter 3 tonight. And it really changes the focus from doctrine to duty. Uh, a focus from learning uh, theology, if you would, to to how to apply that theology and how we should live out that theology in our lives. And and just let me tell you right off the bat, it does really it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to have to maybe no doctrine and truth if we can't apply it, right? It doesn't we if we have all the right beliefs if we don't behave those beliefs it it doesn't do us as much good so so what he's trying to do here he's taught us the truth and in fact if you read most of Paul's writings he does that he hits doctrinal first in the letter let's let's nail down some doctrine that it, whatever church he's writing to or whatever group he's writing to that probably needs to be fixed and he's correcting some things and then he follows that up with now now that you got the doctrine right now that you got the teachings of the word of God right now that you got your uh, your beliefs right. Now, let's talk about how to behave. Let's talk about how to live that out. Let's talk about how to apply that in your life. Because there's a lot of people, you probably met them in your life, and I've met them in my life, have a, a lot of head knowledge about the Bible. There's folks I've met that could quote more Bible than I'll probably ever know, but I can promise you this. I've met many of those folks, not all, but many of those folks that they can do that, but they can't live and they can't apply a word of it. 
They know a bunch, but they, they don't understand how to live it. And so I'm more interested in both. Hey, let's learn it and let's live it. I think both are very important. And so our key phrase here for tonight and what I titled the sermon is out of verse 4. And it just says this, when Christ, who is our life. Christ is our life. Let me ask you this before we even read tonight. Is Christ your life? That's the challenge tonight. Let's read a few verses together tonight. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says this. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things uh, on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. Father, as we, we just uh, uh, look at some of these verses tonight and apply them to our lives, help us, Lord, to, to heed truth, help us to learn and, and uh, leave this place understanding more about you and more about your desire for us to live. And so tonight, as we look at that, he talks about he's writing again to Christians here. We understand that. And he says this, uh, when Christ, who is our life, and he's challenges Christ should be our life. So what does that mean, Christ to be our lives? And he really hits on a couple of different things. The first thing I want you to see tonight, he hits on is this, the believer's position. You and me, who? what is our position in Christ? And uh, uh, and in verse 3, look with me what he says here. It's interesting. It's It, it says this, for ye are are dead for ye are dead he's making a reference really uh, to what took place on the day that you got saved that moment of uh, that you got saved the old man died how many of you thankful for that <laughs> uh, i know he's still got some tentacles and so forth but he died with christ and there was a new man made alive in christ and and so the old man was put to death the new man was uh, brought to life and the moment we were saved uh, uh, and that moment we we really think about this positionally we died with Jesus Christ on the cross. The moment we got saved, we died with him is the idea. And so the old man is, is was crucified positionally. Now we need to crucify him practically on a daily basis. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. And thank God we were, de, we were redeemed from the depravity that we were in. How many of you are thankful for that? Uh, we were redeemed from the defilement of our sin. And, and I got some good news for you tonight too. We were also redeemed from the dominion or the control uh, of sin over our lives. And, uh, and so I got some good news for you. Sin no longer has control or power over you if you've been saved by the grace of God. The only way it has control is when you allow it to. And in fact, we're going to flip back and forth a little bit. Hold your spot right here in Colossians chapter 3, but also go find Romans chapter 6. And we'll compare the two truths. Paul's teaching a parallel truth as that he taught in Romans chapter 6 that will help bring this to life and help it make sense. And so he's teaching us here, hey, we are, for ye are dead, Colossians 3, 3, ye are dead. And so we're, we're supposed to know, listen, that we, when uh, we got saved, listen, we were crucified just like that old man was supposed to be crucified just like Christ was on the cross. Romans 6, though, look at, look at that with me real quick, verse, beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says here, knowing this, that our old man, notice the verb tense, this is important, is crucified with him. Not going to be, it was, it's a done deal, is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if he be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 
Notice the difference. Hey, we're dead and we're alive. We're dead and we're alive. And he's making it all the way through. Knowing this, that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And so the, the, the principle here is what we're learning is our position, because of our position in Christ, because we're in Christ, because we've been saved by the grace of God. When, when we got saved, we were, our old man was crucified just like Christ was on the cross. So what does that mean theologically? Well, it means this. It means there's two deaths that we need to understand uh, uh, or, I guess, reckon with as a Christian. There's, there's a death that happened at our justification. You say, that's a big word. What's justification? It means that uh, justification has the idea that's the moment you got saved, you were justified. And a lot of people say it this way. It's a great way to think about it. It's, it's just as if I haven't sinned. Because <laughs> uh, no more, God chooses to remember them no more. He casts them as deep as the depths of the ocean, as far as the east is from the west. And, and we were made righteous is the idea. Uh, and we were made by, we received Christ's righteousness. He took our sin. We got his righteousness. So, so once the, the death of justification, that happened the moment we got saved. That's what we're talking about here. Positionally, listen, I am dead. I'm, my old man is dead. But there's another death that needs to happen. And this, has, this is the practical side of it. This is the, the daily living side of it. And that deals with our sanctification. Now, sanctification is how we live after we're saved. And, and justification happens once, the moment we get saved by the grace of God. But sanctification begins at that moment, but I'll tell you what, it happens every single day. We, we gotta, we gotta put on the whole armor of God every day. We gotta die to self every day. And so it's a process that, that began at, at salvation and will continue until we get rid of this old flesh and, and we get that glorified body. And so, so that's that sanctification process. So, so there's two deaths. So we gotta reckon as a Christian. Hey, just uh, I was justified the day I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, received Him as my Savior. Hey, I was made righteous in the sight of a holy God. Isn't that good news? <laughs> Positionally, that is settled. Now, because he saved me, because he made me righteous in his sight positionally, my practice now should be a daily living that, that strives uh, each day to live up to that position. And so that's the second death. I need to die to self daily. And so, so one death, if you look at it this way, is historical. Happened the moment we got saved. One death, the other death's personal. It's something I have to uh, put on in every single day. One death uh, is was part of Christ's crucifixion. The other is really part of us, our own self-crucifixion, if you would, and, and dying to self. One is, one was for the death was for the justification. It was a one-time, one-time moment, uh, momentous event, or one time it happened at one moment in time, the moment you got saved. The other death is really a process, and that's a process of us daily putting off the old man putting on the new man, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Yet, here's the cool part. Both of them involve the same cross. Both of them are we're empowered to do that in our day-to-day -day life because of what Christ did on the cross when we and our, our faith in Him. And so... So think about that. There's really only one cross to bear. That's the that's a that's the cross that Jesus has already bore for us. So in in justification, He bore it for us. In sanctification, now in our daily life, guess what? We're to bear it for Him. Does that make sense? 
He bore our sins on his body on the tree, the Bible says. And thank God, positionally, that's settled. But daily now, we're to die to self and we're to bear, uh, we're to bear the cross in our life for him. And, and so, so that's the, the two sides of that, that thing as we go. Uh, at the Christ, at the cross again, Jesus died for, or we died with him, um, uh, or Jesus died for us, sorry. And at salvation, then we died with him. So at the cross, he died for us. At salvation, we died with him. And then positionally now, that old man has been put to death. And we're no longer under the penalty. Now, what does all this mean practically? So we understand some theology here, but what does all this mean practically? Well, here's what it means practically. It means this. You have the power to say no to your sin. This is so important. I know uh, we cover this concept a lot because Paul and the New Testament covers it so often. And anytime you're preaching through books of the Bible, you're going to see the same truths reiterated over and over and over. You and I need to realize that whatever your besetting sin, listen, whatever you struggle with in your life, and we all have struggles. Can we get an amen on that? <laughs> we all do. Whatever it is, you have the power through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through Christ in you, through your position in him and his position in you, to say no to that sin. So anytime a Christian or believer says, listen, I just can't, or uh, I can't help it. Oh, yes, you can, because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so, so it's through Christ I can say no to any sin that I have. I don't have to live in the bondage of sin. Uh, I've been freed from that. You still got your spot in Romans chapter 6. You keep those two marked because we'll look at the same truth here. Paul teaching that same truth paralleled here with the, the book of Colossians. And he says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 6, he says this, Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, here it is, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Hey, can a dead man sin? <laughs> no. And so when we, when we reckon and we understand that first death, uh, that listen, I was crucified with him, that old man was, and, and I reckon that, I believe it, I apply it to my life to be true, and then I live that on a daily basis, then I can have victory through the Holy Spirit of God over any sin that besets us. And that's what he's, that's the deep truth that he's teaching us here. And he, can I just tell you, before you're saved, you couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. You were in bondage to sin. This is important for us to remember. When we see folks struggling with uh, with uh, sins all over this world, and we see especially the lost world, and in particular the lost world, when we see them struggling with sin, guess what? They're just doing what they're supposed to do, right? They're lost. They're unsaved sinners. According to the Bible, they're children of the devil, and they're just carrying out the devil's plan in their life. So they're doing, we can say, well, I can't believe they do that. Listen, they're just doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. That's who they serve. And so, But when you get saved, guess what? I, become, I became a child of God the moment I got saved, and I'm no longer a child of the devil. Now I need to live and yield myself to his leadership. And so, so before we're saved, you couldn't help it. You were in bondage to your sin. But now you can help it because you have the power to choose either to sin or to yield to God. And through yielding to God, we can overcome any sin in our lives. And so if we're going to live a holy life, that means, that means there has to be a death every single day. We can't do what the old Adam wants to do. 
You know, the Bible tells us we were in Adam, the first Adam, and that's where our sin nature came from. But, but let me tell you, when you got saved, you also now became in the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we follow the spirit, not of the spirit of the first Adam, the sinner, but the spirit of the second Adam, Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, who wants us to, to do and who dwells in us and wants to lead us. And so, death here it's positionally of course it's not literally and we understand that and it means we're no longer a slave to sin and that means sin no longer has power over us unless we allow it by not yielding to the spirit but yielding to the flesh and and look at Romans 6 and verse 13 now if you're still there in Romans 6 and and he finished this one truth here, and we'll get on tonight uh, understanding this, this positional thing we need to understand, that we're dead. The Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 13, it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not, you know, catch that now, for sin shall not have dominion, literally control, over you. So positionally, say this with me. Positionally, I am dead. I love how one preacher said it this year at the prayer advance. Uh, a very similar truth. He's preaching a different message, but the same truth. And he got up and said, you know what we need to do every day? We need to, we need to wake up every day and report in for duty dead on arrival. <laughs> Lord, I'm here. I'm dead on arrival. Now use me. Now use me. And so that's what we need to understand. Positionally, we're dead. That's what he's teaching us here. He said, listen, for ye are dead, verse 3. And then, then you go on to ver- rest of verse 3. He goes on to say this, for, and in your life is hid with Christ. And, and, but we go back to verse 1. Look, look at the contrast to this. We're dead, but at the same time in verse 1 he says this, if ye be risen with Christ. You say that contradicts. Now, how can I be risen and dead at the same time? And, and how can I be alive and dead at the same time? Well, you can be. Uh, that old man's to be dead, but guess what? We got a new nature. We became a new man the day we got saved. And, and uh, just like we were buried with Christ, guess what? We arose with Christ. And we arose to walk in, in the newness of life, the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, back there, listen to the same truth. Again, Paul parallel in his truth. He says, he says in Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by, um, by baptism into death, that like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we were buried with him. We were we were put to death with him, uh, and just that old man was when we got saved. But just like that happened, guess what happened? He gave us a new life, and when I were to walk in the newness of life, and just as Christ, Christ rose from the de- rose from the dead, guess what? There was a there was a dead spirit inside of you, that the word that the Holy Spirit of God, the moment you got saved, quickened, made alive. Is what that, that uh, King James word means, and and he you know. It exhorts us to live and walk in the newness of life. Let me read to you Ephesians 2.1. You don't need to flip there, but I want you to read, uh, hear this. He says this, And you have he, hath he quickened, made alive, is literally what that means. And you, who's you? The one that got saved, the one that trusted Christ. And you have he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. And then, of course, Ephesians 2.5, he tells us, Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened, made us alive together with Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad that old man. Listen, I, I didn't like that old man much. Do y'all like your old man a whole lot? <laughs> Sometimes I don't like the new man much, but you know, it's not the new man I don't like. 
It's the old man trying to live and take over the, the new man's life. That old man's supposed to be dead. When I don't reckon him to be dead, guess what he does? He likes to show back up and take over many times when I don't die to self daily. And, and so, so thank God though, I don't have to, I don't have to let him control my life because I can walk in the newness of life that Christ made me. Thank God I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive in Christ. I was quickened and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. So positionally here. That's what we got to understand. The old man is dead. That means we are dead also to sin. And then, but positionally also, we're alive. And we're alive to walk in the newness of life. And so, so Paul hits some truths here and tells us about uh, our position, but the believer's position. But I want you to see also now the, the believer's priority, because now he's going to put the rubber where the, uh, where the road is, if you want for so to speak. And so he gave us a little bit of doctrine there, but now he's going to tell us, what does that mean? What does all that mean for us now? If you even grasp that at all, what does it really mean? Here's what it says. Here's what he says. In verse 1, he goes, If then you be risen with Christ, here's what you do. If you've been saved and born again by the grace of God, if the old man's been put to death and, and your, your spirit's been quickened, you're now alive in Christ. If you be risen with Christ, he says, here's the practical part. He says, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Seek those things which are above. So we're going to seek him, first of all, with his heart. That word seek literally meant, and back in the Bible days when it was used here, was it was a word that had to, an idea to, to go on a quest. It, it really spoke of a man's quest in his life, or a woman's quest in her life. What was their quest? What was their ultimate desire of life? What was their ultimate goal? What was their ultimate ambition, if you will? What was their, the ultimate priority in their life? And, and let me just tell you, the thing that you seek after the most, the thing that I seek after the most, that ultimately is our ambition. That, that's, that's, that's what it is. And so for some in life today, even today, even back in, in Colossians day, we didn't give you a lot of the background of the book, but, but for some, but I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a time of, uh, of big business as well. And, and for some, the, the, the goal was simply, hey, prosperity, uh, the ambition was making money, was prosperity, was material goods. Uh, for others, it's fame and power and influence, and nothing's really changed. And isn't it the same list you, you, we could easily apply today to us? For some, it's fame. <laughs> for some, it's position. For some, it's influence. And, and that, that, describes, that describes the political world pretty good. Uh, for many others, guess what? It's 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 finances, it's possessions, it's material goods, and prosperity. Listen, nothing's really changed, and and so if that is your goal, if that's the ambition, if that's the thing that you seek, then you are seeking things below what God isn't telling us to seek. He said, if you be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. And I want to tell you this, I want you to know this tonight, that the devil really doesn't care what you seek after. He really doesn't care as long as it's not the things above. As long as it's not Christ, hey, it can even be a good thing. But if it keeps you from the best thing, there's nothing wrong with making money. How many of you agree with that? Hey, it's unfortunately the world we're living in, you got to have some, right? Nothing wrong with making some money. But if your focus and your ambition and your motive in life is that's your number one focus, that's the thing you're seeking, guess what? You hang on. It's going to keep you from the best thing before long. You see people, away. I see people all the time, the, the relationship with Christ, and, and sometimes it starts with church attendance, but many times it, it goes beyond that because it also goes into their daily living, their devotion time, their, their time in the Word of God, their time in prayer gets interrupted because all they're focused on is making money, making money. 
And uh, nothing wrong with making money, but I'm telling you, what I'm trying to tell you is that is your goal. If that's the thing you seek, if that's ambition, that's below. That's below what God has for you. He tells you to seek those things which are above. Um, that's what he's telling us. If your goal is fame, if your goal is position, if your goal is uh, popularity, listen, uh, there's nothing inherently wrong necessarily with some of those things, but I'm telling you what, if that's your main goal, if that's the main seeking, that's the things that are below. That's the things that uh, uh, God's got something better for you is what I'm saying. He tells us to seek the things which are above. Jesus said our primary ambition should be this. Uh, over in Matthew 6 and verse 33, he said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and, 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 and his righteousness, the Bible says. Hey, seek his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God. Then he says all these things shall be added to you. So here's what he's saying. He said get that first. Make that your primary ambition in life. Make that your primary goal in life. And, you know, a lot of those other things will take care of itself if you make, if you get the main thing, the main thing, seeking him first, seeking his righteousness first. And I read about a, 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 a guy that had spent a lot of time, uh, I guess, trying to find the Titanic. Uh, I got his name somewhere in here. here. I'll find it here in a minute. Robert Ballard, that was his name. He spent just a ton, dedicated much of his life to just trying to find the Titanic after it sank. And uh, and uh, he finally discovered the whole of the Titanic about 350 miles off the coast of New, Newfoundland. And it was there about two, de two miles deep on the ocean floor. And here's what he said about his whole quest, about the thing he sought after his almost his entire life an old sunken ship. He said this, he said, My first direct view of the Titanic lasted for less than two minutes. But the stark sight of her immense black hull, hole, sorry, towering over the ocean floor will remain ingrained in my life, in my mind forever. My lifelong dream was to find this great ship. And during the past 13 years of my life, the quest for her has dominated my life. I lived day and night for something that was hidden in the depths. He said, "What are you talk? Why are you giving us that illustration? Because too many times as Christians, are are living day and night for something that's underneath what God has for us, for something that's in the depths, if you would, if you look at it. When He says, "Listen, we should seek the things which are above." So, what are those things that that we should stop seeking? Because Paul, it's interesting as you study any letter that Paul writes, he, he's very systematic in how he writes. Uh, when he applies this here, here he's, he's really speaking to something he just wrote in chapter 2. we got to always remember these chapter and verse divisions, they, they were man-made, they were added later. This was one letter. And so when we realize it's one letter, then, then, then we'll realize the, the simple thing here that, listen, this comes after chapter 3, comes after chapter 2. That's pretty deep, isn't it? <laughs> chapter 3 comes after chapter 2. But, but when we remember that, it, here's what we'll remember, that he's referring back to something this. Because look how he starts chapter 3. If ye then be risen, uh, uh, seek those things which are above. So he's implying here, he said, listen, if you're really saved, then you seek some things which are above. Well, what's the things that are below then? Well, you know what? Chapter 2, he gave us those things. All through chapter 2, he lists a bunch of those things which are below. Many of those things we've really made Christianity into. And Paul was correct in the church there for that very thing. And, and things like this, look at a couple of the things that are below. Things like this, the, the reasonings of the world. The reasonings of the world. Look back at Colossians 2 and verse 8 here. 
He warned them there. He said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. After the, the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world. And so here's what he's saying. He said, Listen, don't get so caught up. Uh, in the world's reasoning don't get so caught up in the world's philosophy don't get so caught up in the traditions of man and don't get so caught up in the and he used that word rudiments of the world the fundamental principles is the idea of that word it, it, don't get so caught up in in the things of the world that you miss christ and and you're not after the world is what he's saying and so so many times we get caught up in that very thing and think about it i mean uh, many folks, uh, uh, the reasoning of the world, we, we've applied the world's logic more than we have God's logic many times. And so we've got to be so careful not to get up just because it's tradition. It's always been done this way. Just because, uh, uh, listen, uh, the world's philosophy says this is right and this is, uh, this is okay. Listen, if it goes against God's word, it's not okay. If God says it's okay and the world says it's wrong, guess what? It is okay. So we always got to put the Bible before traditions. We always got to put the Bible before our own philosophies and uh, and the tradition of men. And so so many times he's saying, listen, the reasoning of the world, listen, that's below what Christ has for us. Look at another one I want you to see. Also, the rituals of the world are below what Christ has for us. Look at verse 16. These are the things which are below. This is what he's referring back to. He said, don't get caught up in this stuff. Hey, seek the Lord, seek the things that are above. Verse 16, he said this, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or uh, of this, any of the Sabbath days. And so so back in those days, listen, they were they were all worried about what, what man thought of everything. And and, and so, so they, they were worried about keeping the lists and the rules and the rituals and all that. And he's, he's saying, listen, those things are below what God has for you. He even gets into the religions of the world. Look at verse 18 with me. Colossians 2, verse 18. He says this. He said, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary uh, humility and worshiping of angels, introducing into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding from the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered, knit together, increasing with the increase of Christ. He said, what's he saying? He said, let, let no man beguile you. Let, let no man mislead you here. Uh, uh, they're voluntary, their worship of angels and, and getting all puffed up in his fleshly life. He said, what, what's he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. He said, he's saying, listen, don't get caught up in experiences. Don't get caught up in signs and some type of new revelation and so forth. And, and don't let get caught up in feelings over the facts of the word of God. And so, so those are the things that blow. Listen, we we got a we got generations today that listen. It's all about the feelings. It's all about the experience. It's all about the whatever happened. And here's what he's saying: Hey, experiences come, experiences go. Feelings change, feelings come, feelings go. But but listen, there's something better than that. And, and those are the things which are above. These are the things which are below. He finishes really there with chapter uh, verse 20. He tells us, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why as living now, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the usings after the commandments and doctrines of men. Now he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, he, he's not saying you ought not to taste or touch things, uh, but 
But what he's saying here is, he said, "Listen, we can't, we can't. We the things God's forbid. Yes, we're we're to stay away from those things. But but he's not talking about necessarily that. He's talking about the rudiments uh, through the world, through the ordinances, man-made ordinances, and so forth. And and so so there's a lot of rules that traditions and regulations that man's added on top of the Bible. And many groups really get caught up in that. And and I would summarize that verse this way. Here's what he's saying. You're not going to be any more like Jesus by keeping a list of do's and don'ts that are about things that are outside of the Bible. And so he's really teaching here Christianity is not a legal relationship. It's really supposed to be a love relationship. In fact, in Colossians 2.17, he tells us about all these things he just talked about. He says these are just a shadow of the things to come. Just a shadow. Uh, they're, they're not the substance. They're the shadow. Uh, and those trying to keep those rituals are just chasing shadows. Have you ever, I don't know if your dog's ever done this, and maybe I got a, maybe I got a, a dog that needs some help. I don't know. But my, my dog, sometimes, I've seen this a couple times, a bird will fly over. And the shadow is going across the ground. The bird's up here, but he sees the shadow. And all of a sudden, he'll chase after that shadow, like he's going to really do something. And uh, and I don't know if he ever got, if he ever catches it, what he's going to do with it. But but you know what? That's what really Paul's trying to teach us. So many times we miss the main thing. We miss the thing above, which is the bird. We miss the thing above, which is our relationship with Christ. We miss the most important thing, chasing the shadows, the rules, the regulations, the uh, the ri- right, uh, uh, the rituals, and, and all the things we just covered in, in religion itself, instead of a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so many Christians do that very thing by chasing the shadow, instead of communing with the Savior. They're seeking the things below, not the things above. They're seeking the shadows, not the substance that created the shadows they're seeking maybe the blueprint and there's no reason to seek the blueprint once the building's been built uh we have christ we have him in the fullness and so so just go on in the building amen and uh, uh you, you can see this from folks hey you ever get the idea maybe you've had this uh maybe not if i don't read eight chapters a day in my bible then i'm not a good christian right if i don't pray for an hour and a half today then then I'm not a good Christian, or make up your time frame, whatever you think the, the the right the right amount is. Now, should we read our Bible? Absolutely. Should we pray? Absolutely. But you know, it's possible to actually read your Bible and pray every day and not truly love God. You ever been there? Many times we perform things like that out of duty. See, really, I would even say more important than what we do although what we do is important. More, I'm not minimizing that, here's what I'm saying, more important than that is why we do it in the first place. And and here's what Paul's trying to teach us. He's saying, listen, don't get so caught up in the shadows, don't get so caught up in religion and rules and regulations and all these rituals that you miss the most important thing, which is a relationship with Christ, because those are the things that are above. And you're caught up with the things below. And it's so important that we, we get that. And, and that's what he's trying to teach us. And know those reasons match. And so, so as we go on, whoops, I messed up here. One thing you can't do when you're using an iPad is hit it wrong. <laughs> you end up in the wrong place. 
Again, chapter 3, it says, If ye then be risen. If. So in relation to what he says, said in verse in chapter 2, Now if then you be risen with Christ. Here's what you need to do. Seek those things which are above. The things which are above, rules and religion and regulations. What is that? That is Jesus and a personal relationship with him. We ought ought to have a compass. We ought ought to be like a compass as we seek. And our compass should be set on that relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like a needle on the compass points to the North Pole. We ought to be be focused on Jesus. Just like a... How many of you have got gardens? We're doing this. We're going through this right now. We have a couple trees which are shading our garden a little bit, and it's got a little bit too much tree. You know what those plants will do? They'll lean towards the sun. Y'all ever seen that? If it's not getting enough sun, guess what they do? They they lean to where the sun is, and you can tell real quick they're not getting enough. Something's blocking the sun because they're leaning. They're growing towards the sun, and and so the idea here is is this is what Paul's teaching us is is listen. We we need to be like a like like those plants. We need to be like a sunflower, maybe, or like any kind of plant, and we need to make sure we're always leaning towards the sun in a relationship with Him instead of all this other rudimentary things that many times we make and that many times we make it. So so Paul's laying that out pretty clear. Set your affection on things which are above. Guess who's above? That's Jesus Christ, and we're to seek Him with our heart, and that's to be our priority. We're to seek him with our heart. But we're also to, to set him with our mind. Look, look at verse 2. It goes on to say this. Set your affection on things above and not on the earth. Set your affection. So we're going to set our heart those things which are on those things which are above. But now we need to set our affection also on those things which are above and not on the earth. And that word affection literally has an idea. You pull it up. It's the same word we often is translated as the word mind. So you could say it this way. Set your mind uh, such a, uh, on the things which are above. The word set has the idea, hey, what you exercise on, what you invest in. So invest your mind, exercise your mind on the things which are above. So what he's saying, literally saying, hey, it, it literally has to be merely disposed and, and put your intensely uh, be interested in the things that are above. And that's kind of the idea as you look those words up. And it carries this idea really here, the word setting of of setting a watch. How many of you have ever set your watch? I don't know about you. I don't know if you do this. I, just about every watch, every clock in our house has a different time. Y'all, y'all got those like that? <laughs> I, you know, and I don't know why we do this because I'm guilty of it. I used to do it forever. I don't do it so much now. But for years, I, I always set my clock, especially the bedroom clock, the, the one that wakes me up in the morning. I'd set that thing about 15 minutes ahead. Y'all ever done that? Like that's really going to make you early, right? Well, I'll psych myself out. I'll think I'm late, so I'll hustle, so I'll be on time. That's what we think. Of course, what happens? We already know that that clock is 15 minutes fast. Oh, I got 15 minutes. It's going on in our head. It doesn't work with the TAR is what it does. And so so many times, listen, you set your clocks, and, and listen, if I set my clock on the stove after a power outage and it's blinking 12, y'all know y'all can change that, by the way? Those VCRs that blink 12, too, they, they, you can fix those. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but you can set them. If I set that, though, off of the clock that's in the bedroom that's 15 minutes ahead, guess what? Neither one's right. I'm not setting it to the, the true thing. Uh, now, they've come out with these clocks, and we have some even here in the Sunday school rooms that uh, I think Brother Neil bought them, but they're they supposed to set themselves off the atomic clock. That's supposed to be the, 
the almighty clock, I guess, of the one that's really on and, and so forth. So those set themselves. And, and uh, so the idea there. Now, today we all carry around cell phones, right? Now, cell phones have become, listen, I'm telling you what, if U.S. Cellular ever gets off on their time, the whole, the whole community is going to be off because that's what we're basing our time on. They could change it by an hour. We wouldn't even know it. We wake up in the morning. Oh, it must be. <laughs> they could play tricks on us. You know that? They can make every one of us late to everywhere or early to everywhere. And uh, you get there, and you, you, the only people that would be early, you'd know they didn't have a U.S. cellular phone. They had some other kind of phone because that's the one they're operating off of. And think about that power. And that's scary because at one time when I was in the cell phone business, guess who ran the server that based the times off of? So if I messed up, guess what? Everybody's phone was wrong. Isn't that something? That's scary to think about, isn't it? And uh, uh, so, so at the end of the day, that's all human error. But here's the idea. I'm, I'm getting off topic here, but uh, just having some fun. But here's the idea. We want to set the idea of like setting a watch. Here's what he's trying to teach us. We need to set our minds, our attention, our focus, the things that are most important. And we need to set it on the right thing. We need to set it on not the rules and regulations. We need to set it on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need to literally thank heaven is probably a good way. One commentary said that. Just Here's what he's telling us. He's telling us to thank heaven. Set our mind on the things of God. Set our minds on things that are whole, that are pure and, and righteous and, 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 and holy and things like that. Paul tells us in Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, uh, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise he tells us to think on these things that's the things that we need to set our minds on the the things that would please god the things that are above god so when we set our minds on the word of god we set our mind on the love of god and the glory of god the grace of god the, uh and the, the the boat of god the power of god the just the things of god in general and our relationship with god guess what we end up doing setting our minds on the things above so here's the question what do we set? What do you set your mind on? Well, it goes back to what's your ultimate aim, what's your ultimate ambition in life. If it's wealth, guess what? Your mind most of the day is set on wealth, making money. If it's a position, guess what? Your mind most of the day is set on trying to trying to get to that next position. If it's power, it's it's those things. But if it's on Christ, that'll be where we focused and and those things which are above. Now, I heard about a pilot. I thought Pops would like this one. <laughs> I don't even know if this is true, but uh, I heard about a pilot. I was reading a thing, and it said uh, he ha he heard this disturbing noise. He was flying over the ocean, and, and all of a sudden there was this noise, and he's trying to figure out what the noise was, and he f finally realized it. He, he turned around, and he saw a rat. And that rat was sitting there, and the rat was, guess what? He was chewing on wires. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the air in an airplane, and I'm a pilot, and I turn and see rat chewing on wires. I get pretty nervous about that. <laughs> Which one's he chewing on? What's getting ready to happen? And so forth. And and he was a single pilot plane. He was the only pilot there that day, and he, he was worried about that rat. It, it could do great damage. But guess what? He couldn't leave the pilot seat to go after the rat. So he was kind of in a bind. But if he left the rat alone, he may chew the wires in half. And and uh, he may die. He may end up crashing. Could get, end up so. So here's what he decided to do. Huh. He put on his oxygen mask, and he flew that plane up as high as he could fly it, up to the point where uh, he got to the place where there was no more oxygen, and the rat died. 
because the rat didn't have a mask. So I don't know whether that's true or not. <laughs> Works every time. You done that before? <laughs> so so what am I trying to think? I say here is, is think about this. We all have a lot of rats in our mind, don't we? And sometimes maybe what we need to do is fly our mind a little higher. Set on those things that are above, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? When we do that, guess what's going to happen? All the little rats that are trying to occupy our mind, they're going to die. And it's a, it's a great principle to think about. The thoughts that aren't pure, the thoughts that aren't true, the thoughts that aren't uh, that don't honor God, that hinder us spiritually. Listen, they're, they're going to die because we're going to take our thought life and our plane. We're going to set our affections, but not just our affections, but our mind on things which are above. And all those rats going to be killed. How about the rat of worry? Anybody ever struggle with that? Huh. Hey, set your things on things above. The rat will die. How about the rat of jealousy? Set your mind on things above. The rat will have to die. The rat of discontentment. That's a big rat in our lives, isn't it? You know, the Bible tells us over and over, be content with such things as you have. And, uh, with, uh, it's just great godliness is contentment, right? We're to, we're, we're to be content. And, uh, um, but so many times we're wanting the next, the, the, the next piece of cheese, right? <laughs> I'm guilty about that right now. I'm trying to get a building. Amen. <laughs> I want my next piece of cheese. I'm getting a, I, I don't want the cheese. I just want the building so I can put some cheese in it. How about that? <laughs> uh, but, 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 you know, you got to be careful. It's okay to want things, but when I get discontent with what God's already got me, guess what? I start focusing on that. Guess what happens? I'm thinking on things which are below, not on things which are above. And he's telling us to put, listen to think on things which are above. How about the rat of bitterness? Well, that enters our mind sometimes, doesn't it? Anger, frustration, unforgiveness. A lot of rats. And rat of criticism. A lot of rats. How do we kill the rats? Be like the pilot. Hey. Take them thoughts on up there to things above. Let them rats die while we focus on the things that are truly important. And, and that our mind, listen, at the end of the day, it's like a playground for the devil. And that's why the Bible tells us over and over to be not conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12 and 1 and 2. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself uh, against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought, he said. Uh, to the obedience of Christ. and So how do we do that? How do we renew our minds? How do we set our affection on things above? Well, guess what? We set it on the Scripture. We set it on the Holy Spirit. We set it on our Holy Savior. And we seek Christ with our heart. We seek Him with our mind. And that's what He's teaching. That needs to be our priority. And I don't know about you, but uh, I have to do that pretty frequently. I, I have trouble with rats. Y'all have trouble with rats? <laughs> I have trouble with those thoughts. And and so Paul's telling us, listen, here's how you get rid of it. Here's, here's how you take care of it. Listen, don't get caught up in chapter 2 and all that stuff that's the shadows. Hey, go for the substance. Don't get caught up in those thoughts that are below. Hey, start thinking on things that are above. And the things that are above are always your personal relationship with Christ. So we see the believer's position. We see the believer's priority. Last, I want you to see this, the believer's protection. I love this in verse 3. He said this, for ye are dead. But then he says... And your life is hid with Christ in God. Hid with Christ in God. Think about that. That's reminding us how secure we are in Christ. 
That's reminding us how settled it is, how stable our position in Christ is. It, it, your life is hid with Christ in God. Hey, that tells us we're doubly secure. Do you ever think about that? Our life is hid with Christ. And then he also says, in God. With Christ, in God. We're only secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, but second, it's, it, it's hidden there with God also. And, and I believe, I don't know what about you, but that's a pretty safe place to be. That's probably safer than, uh, safer than any prison you could ever be in is, is being there uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, hid with Christ. And hid in God. What a great, what a great line, and what a great principle that is. And the day we were saved, think about it. We were placed in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but we're also told we're hand, we're in the hand of an all-powerful God. Uh, and listen, so we're in the hands of God the Father. We're in the hand of Jesus Christ, and and, and we're in the two hands of omnipotence. Listen, that is safe. That is secure. We are listen hid with Christ in God. And you, and you and I both have met people through the years that doubt their salvation. Uh, they have so, trouble many times accepting the fact that, 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 that they're saved forever. I know us Baptists, we always call it eternal security. I, I don't like that word because it's not in the Bible. I just like to say everlasting life and eternal life because those are good Bible words that mean the same thing. And that way people can find that in the Bible. Uh, but, uh, but they mean the same thing anyway. So, Here's the reason most people struggle with it, because their focus is not on the things above. Their focus isn't on what Christ did for them. Their focus isn't on what Jesus can continuously do and how he can not only save them, but, but, but secure them and, and settle them and seal them until the day of redemption. Their focus is on them, the things below. They're focused on their performance and the works they need to do. And, and so here's the admonition. Paul's saying, don't get your focus there. Listen, hey, you're dead, and now your life, because, because of salvation, the moment you died uh, with Jesus on his crucifixion, because now he's made you alive, a new creature, and you're now risen with Christ, because of that, listen, your life is now hid with Christ in God. It's settled, it's secure, and, uh, and praise the Lord for that, because it's only God who can bring salvation. It's not man. We have, we have very little part. Our part is just simply to believe. Our part's to turn, change our mind, and believe. That, that, that's it. God did everything else. Listen to some of the verses. John six forty four. Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. In other words, you can't come to God unless God first draws you. That's pretty black and white in Scripture, isn't it? Now, I know a lot of people go to seed on that verse. And there's this belief system out there that uh, that says, listen, that, that God's going to make you get saved or you can't get saved. You have no choice in the matter. Uh, that, that God's only drawing his elect, the ones he's pre-chosen, and no one else. They, they love that verse. To, but here's what the one they're missing. Because a little later, John or Jesus says this in John 12, verse 32, same book. He says this, and if I be lifted up from earth, will draw all men unto me. So God's saying, listen, you can't come to me, you can't come to the Father uh, unless, unless the, the drawing power of the Holy Spirit draws you in. And, and, and then Jesus says, listen, but here, i got some good news. When I get lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So put the two together, where was he lifted up? I know some, some of our contemporary groups love to use that as a praise and worship verse, but that's not a praise and worship verse. The context of the chapter is this. He was lifted up on Calvary's cross for our sins. 
So Jesus, listen, when He was lifted up on the cross, He's in the drawing business, and He promised He will draw how many men, did He say? All men unto Me. See, you put the Bible, you let Scripture uh, be a commentary on Scripture, and it'll, it'll fix a lot of false thinkings out there. And, and so, so, yeah, you can't come to the Father unless He draws you. But guess what? Jesus has been lifted up on Calvary's cross, and now He's drawing all men unto Him. And, uh, and uh, of course, Paul tells us it's the goodness of God that leadeth the, uh, thee to repentance. Without God, we'd never know our, our need of Him, but praise God, uh, He draws us unto Him. Uh, and so uh, when He enrobed Himself in flesh, He came to this world, died for our sins and the sins of the whole world. Uh, listen, he, he took care of all that. He went to the drawing power, and we just need to change our mind and believe now the gospel, the fact that He died for us, was buried, and rose again. And so so it's God that brings us salvation. It's God that provided the way of salvation, but it's also God that keeps us in salvation. That's why He's telling us again in this verse, what a powerful verse, your life is hid with Christ in God. Peter put it this way, First uh, Peter 1.5, who are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed the last time. Listen, we're kept by God. We're saved by God. It was His plan in the first place. He implemented the plan. He drew us to, to even have a desire to want to be saved and to show us the, the, the our problem of sin. When we chose to believe Him, trust Him, He saved us, and now He keeps us saved. He 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 did it all. That's the key. And so, so thank God He's done it all. And now we are, our life is hid with Christ in Him. I like how Jude put it. He said, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling in Jude 24. He can keep us from falling. He's the one who keeps us, is what he's saying. Paul said in Ephesians 4.30, and, and whereby, he goes on to say, Whereby, uh, uh, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Thank God. He sealed us. He settled it. He did it all. He saved us, and He keeps us saved. And and now, because we're saved, when we're saved, because we're risen with Christ, because the, the old man is dead, Paul's telling us, he says, listen, when Christ is our life shall appear, hey, we're going to appear with Him in glory, and our life is now hid with Christ in God. I like how one old mountain preacher put it. I, uh, I wrote this down one time. I was listening to him preach, and I thought this was pretty doggone good. Uh, sometimes they got a way of putting things that, uh, that, uh, that are really helpful. He said this. He says, if I were able to lose my salvation, that would mean that the devil would have to bust through the love of God. And if he got through the love of God, he said, he would have to come through the grace of God. And if he got through the grace of God, he'd have to come through the Spirit of God. And if he got through the Spirit of God, he'd have to come through the Son of God. And if he got through the Son of God, he'd have to come through the blood. And if he got in the blood, he'd be a saved devil. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, that's a good way to put it. And thank God. Hey, I like how uh, Jesus said it this way in John 10. He said, if I give unto them eternal life, I give it. It's a gift. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. In the Greek, it's a never, never. It's a double negative there. Never, never, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. And no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And the two hands of omnipotent God, and the all-powerful God, the Son's hand, we're in an all-powerful God, the Father's hand. Hey, our life is hid with Christ in God. The believer's protection. Thank God for that. Let me finish with one more. You don't have this one, but I'll give you one more thought. And we'll, we'll go on. Because it's right there, and we got to preach it. I, I like this one. The, how about the believer's promise? Because it's right there in verse 4. Look with me. The Bible says this, When Christ, who is our life, 
That's the key of the phrase. Hey, is he your life tonight? But when Christ, who is our life, he is if we're seeking the things which are above. That means he is our life. Hey, he is when we set our affection on things above. When we give our heart and our mind and it's focused on Christ, then listen, he is our life. And that's, that should be the answer to the question. Yes, he is my life. But when Christ, who is our life, look what he says, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. How many of you are thankful that for a Christian, our future is so bright we need to wear shavings? Isn't that good news? How many of you are thankful one day he's coming back? He's coming back in the clouds. I believe it could happen any moment. I don't believe there's anything that needs to happen before he comes back and takes his church home. It could happen before I even get done with this message tonight. It could happen uh, tomorrow. It could happen any time because he promised he was coming back. And, and uh First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter four covers First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and even John fourteen makes the promise that that he's going to come back and he's going to take us to glory with him. Hey, the believers promise, not just our protection, hey, uh, but our promise as well. Isn't that good news tonight to know all that? So here's the challenge. Then the challenge for us tonight is simply this: the the challenge is is he's coming back. The question, first of all, is if he comes. He came tonight. Are you going? The answer to that question is: Have you trusted in him? Have you ever had a time and moment in your life where you repented, you changed your mind, you believed, put your full weight and trust in the gospel message, and and got saved by the grace of God? If you have, guess what? You're going. Praise the Lord for that, because it's the believer's promise. It's the believer's promise. But the second question is this: When he comes back, what's he going to find that we've set our affections and our mind on? Is it him? Or is it all the things that are beneath? Is it the things above or the things below? And Paul's challenged us, listen, there's something so much better. Listen, the shadows are pretty. <laughs> I like shadows. But the thing that makes the shadows what's important. Let's focus on the things above. Father, we thank you tonight for the, the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just how... No matter where we open it, Lord, there's lessons for us in our life. And, Lord, lessons sometimes that are encouragement. Much of this message is encouraging. It talks about our promise. It talks about our, our future. But the word's also some challenges in it because, Lord, every one of us would have to be honest. There's times in our life that, Lord, we let the rats take control. And there's times in our life that we set our minds and even our affection on things that are below instead of the things that are above. God, help us as Christians, help us as Bible believers, Lord, to, to, to be reminded, Lord, there's something so much better. Help us to set it on the things that are above, so much above, Lord, that we kill the rats huh, that are, uh, we, just, we get so high, Lord, that they can't even breathe anymore because we're so focused on the things that are above in our thought life and in our affections. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Before we leave here, give you a couple prayer requests and she'll shut that down.